You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Awesome, guys. Have a seat. We're going to go straight into it. We're getting into it. How about that? Because, uh, you know, last Sunday morning, was, it was incredibly powerful. And I received an email from someone. I'm going to get permission to read it to you. Received an email from someone who had an amazing breakthrough in freedom last week here. So they write and they said this. I've been searching through the scripture for what God has to say about our soul and our spirit and how the two interact. I could see that I was often deeply impacted in the soul realm and that I thought and reasoned a lot from this place, even though I knew I needed to live and think from my spirit. I tried brain detoxes, setting goals, following programs, many efforts to increase my default of living by the spirit rather than my soul, but they didn't work. I knew I was a perfectionist, someone who tried to reason things out, a high achiever, not content with where I was. But even though I knew all of this, I couldn't change it. But I kept reading scripture, kept seeking God, kept volunteering my time and serving, kept doing what I knew to be right, and I know that this created the opportunity and heart to receive from God a breakthrough that only He could do. That's a key. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. God did a deep work and removed a deeply embedded root that I didn't actually understand was even there. As I responded to ministry, I felt a tangible release of weight. I've always read the scripture, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, and thought, why did you say that, God? Is it just poetic? Why do you need to say it was for freedom? Because if you set something free, then obviously it's for freedom. But after Sunday, I now read that with new eyes because freedom is a state of being. It is a tangible experience of my life. It is the original design for us. He didn't set us free to live an okay life or or free in some of the areas of life, but he set us free to live in freedom, whole and complete. The best way I can describe it, now this happened last Sunday morning here, the best way I can describe it is as though I have lived with a chronic pain all my life and in an instant it was gone. And the joy that this freedom has in my world is so good that I wonder how I lived before. I now see differently. How good is that? That's a power of God's grace. So I kind of want to just go straight into it. Let's affirm again that truth we've been talking about all along. Freedom comes within, not from without. It comes from the inside out. Don't go chasing it. You've got it. If you're a child of God, it's not a new thing. It is the thing that's inside of you. But let's take it one step further. Freedom is for the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. You are not just a spirit that God is interested in. He created you body, soul, and spirit. And by the way, tonight we're deciding that tonight is dedicated to to freedom in physical areas. We're going for healing tonight. It's going to be led by Rachel and Cedric from our Northwest campus. 
great guys with a, with a healing anointing on them. We just sensed as a staff, hey, we need to go for this. We need to, we need to just push through on this and believe for healing. I'm coming tonight, and I, I said to Cedric and Rachel on the phone, if you're really prophets, you're going to hear what God wants to heal in my life, so I'm going to leave it there. I'm coming. I'm, I'm not telling them a thing, and I'm just believing for healing tonight in parts of my body that are starting to show that it's not young anymore. Anyway, in 1 Thessalonians chapter... Five, Paul just sets it out. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just pause. Paul is writing in the face of a false teaching of the day that, that was attached to Gnosticism. And that false teaching said, the body is immaterial. Even though it's material, it is immaterial. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is your spirit. So whatever you do in the body doesn't matter. What a crock. It does matter. If it didn't matter, then why are we having a body in heaven? You ever thought about that? Why did Jesus raise from the dead with a body? Because God's will is that we are whole Body, soul, and spirit. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. We're whole. We're a whole person. Body, soul, and spirit. And, and, and David writes and says, God desires truth in the innermost being. This is hundreds of years before Jesus said, the spirit of God is going to come, and he's not only just going to be with you, he will live in you. And, and you need to just see this right here, right now. The moment you and I got born again, the Spirit of God came and lived within us. He is the Spirit of truth. You are never without God in your world. Never. He is the Spirit of truth. He lives within us. He guides us into all truth. And, and here's the deal. The truth is, it is the will of God for us to be whole. The other part of that truth is this, that the word of God is absolutely trustworthy. If he said it, he will do it. Now, we, we've got to settle on that. So the deal is, if he's faithful and he says it and he's committed to our wholeness, then why do I keep struggling in freedom? Why does it keep happening? You, you would be surprised at who wrote that email, and I'm not even going to give it away. You'd go, oh, yeah, that's somebody who just never gets on top of things and somebody who always struggles and somebody who's always at the front getting ministered to? Absolutely not. Last week, if you would have noticed, there were team members off the band that came down and said, I need freedom. There were staff members, there were pastors who walked down the front and said, God, I just need this. Because God pours out grace on the humble. He resists the proud. And so all of a sudden, when we realize, man, we're free, but... Why is it not happening? Well, we started looking at that last week. It's because we keep living from the, from the outside in instead of the inside out. As a whole person made in the image of God, what happens is from the outside, from the body and from the outside, let's put that next screen up. From the outside, we get attacked or circumstances and things begin to happen in our life or we get temptation from the outside. And then in my soul, in my thinking, I start thinking certain ways as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And then out of that thinking, accusations might come, and then out of that, choices. We make choices. You know, the one thing that God gave Adam and Eve from the very beginning that he himself would not violate was freedom. You are free to choose whether you follow me or you don't. You are free to choose whether you have dominion in this garden 
or not. You are free to stay pure or to eat that forbidden fruit. You have freedom. Because to do otherwise is not a relationship of love. It is a mechanical thing with puppets or robots only. To say, you will do as I say and I'll pull the strings. God says, no, you are created with a free will from the very beginning. And all of a sudden things start kicking in. And, and that's what happens to us, guys. When you look at this, there are things that happen around us daily that affect us so strong, we get consumed by it. That's what happens. And as we saw the last two weeks, this whole thing of bitterness, this whole thing of insecurity, it begins to consume us and eat away at us. And our, our thoughts tell us that the, the circumstances are controlling us. And then we go, and that's reality. Well, it might be real, but it's not true. Not true in the sense that it, it doesn't last forever. It's not true in the sense that it is permanent. It's not true in the sense that it even has authority over you. It's not true. But all of a sudden we go to the place in our emotions where we're afraid, we're bitter, we're insecure, we're, we're in despair. And then we live from the outside in. All this stuff is dictating, dictating and telling me who I am and what I'm not and what I can do and what I cannot do. And man, last week we just kind of nailed this thing called insecurity. We, we started just going, come on, we're going to deal with this thing because as uh, Chris Vallotton said, this is probably the greatest weapon and most insidious weapon that the enemy has against the children of God. If he can cause you to be totally insecure, you are never going to bring heaven to earth. So a lot of you started this journey of freedom last week. Now, I don't have to be a prophet to tell you this, what I'm about to tell you right now. Because I know by experience, it, it happened even when I got saved 42 years ago. I came home, got saved on a Sunday night, came home, flicked on the lights in my mother and my stepfather's bedroom, almost got shot. He almost shot and killed me twice. Not because he didn't like me, but you know, you know how Americans and guns are. You know how that works. They shoot anything that startles him. Anyway, through, you know, yelled, guess what happened to me tonight? Man, I was so excited. I got born again. Within 24 hours, little voices started saying, that, you know, they kind of talked you into that. That wasn't real. That was just an emotional moment that you needed. You responded emotionally. It wasn't real. And I can guarantee you, some of you, probably even before you left this property, little voices start whispering in your ear, that didn't really happen, did it? You didn't mean that. Look at this stuff out here. That's what's getting you. Not some little thing at the front. Voices, voices, voices telling you it's not real. You know that's the trick of the enemy. And you know it's as old as creation itself, don't you? You know that, don't you? Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. What does the enemy say to Eve? Did God really say? See, he might not have come into your head last week or this past week and said, did God really say you are now secure? What he'll say is, did, did you really mean that? Trickery. Because the enemy will try to get you to question God's word to you. Jesus said he has been a liar all along. That's his nature. But I want you to know something. I want you to get this revelation today. You know... You, you need to get a revelation of your enemy, not so you focus on him, but so you see how little he really is. Some people study the enemy because they get infatuated with him. 
Paul said those are dark secret things you shouldn't even be talking about. Don't focus on it. But you need to know your enemy to know that he's also beaten. And let me tell you that all the way back in Genesis, the enemy was not a controller with authority. From the very beginning, he was an invader with no authority. He was an intruder to the garden. He had no power in the garden. He had no authority over Adam and Eve. His only weapon of choice at that moment was trickery and lying. Hmm. You need to get this. What did God say to Adam and Eve? You have the keys of dominion. The enemy didn't control the world. Where do you get that at? You go, well, he made a third of the angels follow him. So? That didn't give them authority over the planet that God made and said to his creation, you have dominion. So what's he going to do? He's going to intrude. He's going to invade. Can I say to you the same as with you? You have been remade because of the second Adam who gave you dominion. You are a child of the king. The enemy has no right over you, no power over you, and, and he has no authority over you. The Bible actually says, Jesus said, you have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, why, I thought about that this morning. Why did he say snakes and scorpions? I thought one would be enough. <laughs> Jesus never wastes a word. And if you look at it and you think about it, what was the image that Satan came into the garden as? A snake. Mm-hmm. Now, which one are you more afraid of, a snake or a scorpion? Ladies, who's more afraid of a snake than a scorpion? Yeah, all right. I know my wife is. So why do you say snakes and scorpions? Because snake is the highest of that deceit in the enemy's kingdom, and the scorpions are the smaller ones that follow him. Scorpions are just... Jesus is symbolically saying, these little demons are going to come after you, And even when the big one comes after you, boom, very soon, the God of peace will crush Satan underneath, not his feet, your feet. He has no authority over you. You have authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, I don't know about you. I remember we're out camping up in Flinders Ranges, me and one of my mates and our sons. Jono stepped out of the caravan or the camper trailer barefooted and it was kind of moist on the ground and as he went to put his foot down there was a scorpion. I can't remember if it was me or Chris but we kind of tackled him out of the way before he stepped on the thing. Now I don't know about you but I don't ever want to step on a snake or a scorpion. But Jesus said you don't have to be afraid. These things have no jurisdiction over you because I have taken back the keys of the kingdom. He has no dominion over you. So here's what the enemy does. He doesn't just cause you to to disbelieve God's word, but he causes you to doubt God's work. It's not just what God says. He will then deceive you so that you start believing that what God said he would do, in fact, he did not do. Hmm. How? Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God knows, this is what the devil or Satan or the deceiver is saying to Eve at that moment, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. He's not lying there because their eyes were opened. But they surely didn't see in a mirror that they were like God. They looked in a mirror and saw they were naked. Just the opposite. But look look at the rest of it. And you will be like God. 
So all of a sudden he's going, you're not really who God said you are. You're not really what God says you are. He's tricking you. Because he knows when you eat this, you'll get it. So what is it that God said they were? You are like me. Listen to me. What does he say all the way back? Male and female, he made them in his image and in his, say it loud, likeness. The only part of creation made in the likeness of God, the enemy comes in and deceives them so they go, that's not real. He, he's, it's the big trick from heaven. That's why I told you you can't eat that because that has power to make you like him. You go, Keith, what's your point? Well, my point is this. The enemy couldn't even attack Eve. The best he could do at that moment was to deceive her. And Adam and Eve, you know, they're already in the likeness of God, but the enemy deceived them so much into thinking that God was holding something back that they ate the fruit to get something that they already had. You ever think about that? The enemy will come to you and try to convince you that you do not have what God has already promised and delivered. Whoa. He knows if you make this choice, you will all of a sudden be like that. And God's going, well, don't do it. I've already made you like that. And the real issue here is not what they're going to get by eating the fruit. The real issue is trust. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to believe? And are you going to act on that trust? So in essence, what they're saying is, I'm going to trust his deceitfulness rather than his truthfulness. I don't really believe I'm like God. So if I get this added extra, I'm not only going to be just like him, I might even be better than him. I'll have an upgrade. This fruit gives me an upgrade. Uh -uh. I kind of call this holding, uh, handing over the keys. Interesting. Watch what happens. Eve listens, she agrees, and she acts which is what Adam did. You know what the result was? Satan then becomes empowered. In other words, they have given him the keys over their soul. They have given him dominion now on planet earth. He is now called, not before, afterwards called, the God of this age. Hmm. You know that we actually empower the enemy when we believe his lies? We give him jurisdiction by acting on his lies? Because he has no jurisdiction before that. You saw it last week, I'll say it again. Dr. Neil Anderson said this, Satan has no power over you except what you give him by failing to take every thought captive and thus being deceived into believing his lies. One of his biggest tricks is to make you convinced you don't have God's authority. You don't have authority. Look what's going on. Look, look at all this stuff going on around you. If you had authority, all that stuff wouldn't happen. Deceit. Lying. Trickery. And instead of living from the outside in, guys, letting circumstances dominate us and bond us, we've got to learn to live from the inside out where truth reigns. The life of freedom. Is what we're called to. 
I like the message version. It says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Why don't you read it personally? Christ has set me free, so I live a free life, and I am taking my stand. That's how you should read it. And I will not let anyone ever again put me into a harness of slavery. The book that I was reading, you know, while I was on holidays, Heaven is Now by Dr. Andrew Farley. He started talking in that book about a a concept called the soul mirror. I was kind of going to do a visual thing here. I'm not as good at that as other people. And I thought I'd get a full-length mirror here. And I thought I'd get one of you up as a persona of living wrong and evil, and then another one living in good. But I thought that might make somebody mad at me if you were the persona of evil. What are you laughing at, Simon? I was going to pick you for good. But he talks about this, that our soul is a mirror only. It's not even the total real you. Your soul, where you think, where you choose, where you listen, your personality, only reflects what it's looking at. Okay? The real you is deeper than that. Because one day you might wake up and it's a bad day. I don't know if you ever had those. But your head goes to this place like, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, I can't do this. And you're just in a bad place that day. And then the next day you wake up, nothing's wrong and you're on top of the world. That's not the real you flitting back and forth. That's the angling of your soul. Let me read a quote and then we'll look at it on the screen. He said this, Our soul is like a mirror that can reflect anything at any given time. Our soul doesn't give us a spiritual, give us our spiritual nature. Instead, so in other words, whatever's going on in your soul doesn't determine who you are or where you are. Instead, it merely reflects the nature of something in a given moment. This is why we can, talk, we, can, we can walk either according to the Spirit, which is reflecting Christ, or according to the flesh, reflecting sin. These occur as we set our mind on one or the other, angling the soul mirror. All right, let's go back to our diagram, but this time let's have truth right in the middle of our spirit. Because remember... The Holy Spirit lives there. He is the spirit of truth. Don't miss this. Because out there in the body world, I, look, I, you know, I, I, I hear people, even, even where all of a sudden there's something wrong in the body realm, and you're going, well, I guess I'm just going to have to live with that for the rest of my life. Who told you that? Did you angle your mirror of belief system towards a circumstance that might not be right for you at that moment? Who told you that? God never said you're going to live with that sickness the rest of your life. You, you ought to read, let me tell you, you ought to read a book called Reese Howell's Intercessor. Oh my goodness. When his uncle got healed... The day Reese Howells went into the nursing home to see this old man who was crippled. And he said, what did the Lord tell you for me today, Reese? He knew he was coming with a message from God. Every one of Reese Howells' relatives howled him down. Don't you dare go give this old man false hope. 
He walked in and said, well, the Lord's told me he's going to heal you today at this hour, at this time. And then he walked out and left his uncle. Because he knew the healing wasn't for him to bring. The Lord was going to bring it. He walked out and left. And he went on, he went on a ministry trip alone. Because he didn't want to take credit. Sure enough, the day, the hour, the minute, Brees Howell's uncle jumped out of bed, totally healed, walked out of the nursing home, and lived years with a full, fruitful life, serving God. I'm telling you, who told you you've got to live with that the rest of your life? Why are you believing that? Because the professionals told me I do. What professionals? I know a counselor who says different. He's called the Holy Spirit. Anyway. All right, so here's what happens. I've got this soul mirror. I turn my mirror where I think. I listen. I ultimately begin to choose. I turn that mirror towards what's going on outside of me. I'm getting attacks. They're just coming so constant, you know. I hear people saying, I just, sometimes I wish you guys would just stop this kind of talk saying, oh, I'm just under so much attack. The enemy is just attacking, 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 attacking. Why don't you say, I'm in a war and I'm winning? People just want, you know, if they blow green out of their nose, the enemy is in their nose. It's like, come on. You're bigger than that. Where are you angling your mirror? So I'm getting attacked or all of a sudden I'm getting accused or all of a sudden, you know, there's temptation coming and, oh, no, no, and I'm angling. You know what happens? If I keep reflecting that, I'll start believing that. And I'm only a step away from then living that. James said in 1.15, When desire or sin is conceived, when lust is conceived, he said, turns into sin, which is action. And when sin finishes with you, death. L-S-D. It's a progressive, not an instant. So I'm angling the mirror towards everything going on outside of me and the world is so dark and pessimistic and somebody's going to push the button. Oh no, we're all going to fry. Everything is wrong in the world. Or I begin to turn the mirror towards who I am, what I have been given, what I can do, therefore I will, according to the truth It's in here with the Holy Spirit. Now, which way are you angling your soul mirror? The mirror that constantly talks to you, that eventually causes you to choose. And one of the issues that affects our soul in so many ways, man, I'm I'm picking up from the Holy Spirit that he said, let's, you know, we talk about bitterness and insecurity. Why don't we just talk about hope? For a minute. Interesting, John O talked about the difference between expectation and expectancy. Hope is not built on expectation. Hope is built on expectancy. I expect. You could, re, you could change the word hope in the New Testament with expect. And you know, we can angle our soul mirror. You, you look at this thing called hope. If I, if I turn that soul mirror... And I'm looking at everything going on around me and to me and against me. What happens to hope? Hope deferred makes my heart sick. 
I can't see any hope. All I see is, is I see darkness. I see despair. I see criticism. I see, I see. And all of a sudden, I'm in a dark place. I'm sick. Interesting, that proverb goes on and says, but when the desire comes, so I'm going to take this mirror and I'm going to go, and I'm going to turn it towards truth. I am. I have. I can. I will. All of a sudden, desire comes. It is a tree of life. Isn't that interesting? The very thing they were told, go eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You'll be like God, but they forgot all about life. Isn't that interesting? So let's talk about how this works with the inside-out action. Not just the outside-in. Let's talk about the inside-out in the area of See, outside in might equal reality, but inside out equals truth. Again, what's the difference? Well, reality can be circumstantial. Truth is foundational. Reality is temporary. Truth is permanent. Reality is multiple voices causing confusion. Truth is one voice causing clarification. So, let's deal with hope. Inside out. Next screen. All of a sudden... I'm angling the mirror outward and uh, I just feel hopeless. So I start talking to myself saying, I'm so hopeless. And I might even say to other people around me, I'm hopeless. I'm agreeing with something the enemy is saying. However, if I turn that mirror in, uh, hope. The Holy Spirit says, Keith, Christ is in you. You are a carrier of hope. There is no glory without this. Do you understand that? The glory to be released on planet earth is to be, to be released not through creation, but through his people who are like him. Oh, oh yeah, creation is glorious, but even a greater glory is you. So I turn that mirror inward and the truth is telling me constantly, Keith, you carry the hope of glory. Okay, got it. So then... If I turn the mirror outwards and I'm watching all this stuff going on and I let it affect my emotions and my feelings, all of a sudden I start saying things and, and am convinced in my head and my heart, I feel so useless, so worthless. But I, all of a sudden I turn the mirror inward and I hear God saying, Keith, you are my masterpiece, created brand new in Christ Jesus, and I know that I am valuable. Come on. But you see, it then moves to the mind and where I make thoughts and decisions and choices. And all of a sudden, when the mind begins to think, if I'm looking outward and the mirror's reflecting that, I'm saying, well, you know, reality is that how in the world can I help somebody else have hope? I don't have it myself. When all of a sudden, when the mirror turns inward, I know that I can bring hope into hopeless situations because Paul said this, and I want to make it personal. Listen, he said, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those who are called. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, Keith, say this to yourself. My heart is flooded with light. I know the hope God has given to me because I have been called. And finally, the will starts kicking into place. 
And if I'm still looking out where the wheel is saying, because of this feeling of hopelessness, I should just give up, I shouldn't even try. But all of a sudden, the mirror kicks into the center where the spirit is at, and I I can say, I will move in his strength, strength because like Paul, even though I'm not perfect and I haven't obtained all of this, I will press on to take hold of that which he has taken hold of me. Do you get this? It's already taken hold of me. It's just a matter of me getting it. So what do we do? Which way are you angling your soul mirror? Makes a world of difference. So what are we to do? Because some of you are just living in that hopeless place. You can come to church, you can put on the mask, you can raise your hands. But in here, you just are convinced you're useless, you're hopeless, you're worthless. There's nothing left for you of significance. What are you to do? Well, I can't think of anything better to do than first and foremost, know who he is. Because, listen, this this came to me. My freedom really isn't about me, primarily. It is about me, but not primarily about me. My freedom is about him. Knowing him is the key to our freedom. If my freedom is about knowing me first and foremost, man alive, it's going to be on shaky ground. But when I know that my freedom is knowing him, it will never shift or change. You know, we, we, we've talked a lot over the months about our identity, our identity, our identity. Our identity should never be apart from him. This isn't about how cool I am, how big I am, how smart I am, how great I am. This is about how I am like him. That's my identity. And it's in knowing him we know who we are. You know, that's exactly what the enemy tried to do with Jesus in the wilderness. You know that, don't you? What's he say? If you are the son of God, you could do all this stuff. What he doesn't realize is he already did. He already did. You know, later down the track, he turned, you know, little pieces of bread into a banquet. But even long before that, He created everything out of nothing. So why does he want to prove something there? Because the enemy is trying to get into his head saying, at your weakest moment, I'm trying to convince you you're not what you really are. Jesus said, I'm not buying into that. This deals with the I am, the truth of I am. Can I encourage you to do something? Get into the scriptures. You're not going to find a lot of verses where you can quote, where God quotes about you, say, I am. But you can find a lot of verses that quote who you are and you can make that personal. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I am a child who is loved by God highly. I am valuable. I am his masterpiece. Just as you read the Bible, just look at that. Just look what God's saying about you. So you can say it about yourself, I am. But it only happens when you know who he is. Let me give you a second thing. You've got to live by grace and truth. It's not one or the other, and it's not one against the other, and it's not even a balance of each other. It is a fullness of both. Christianity isn't 50-50. It is 100% in. Truth informs us as to who we are and what we have and what we can do. Grace empowers that to happen. Think about it for a minute. We need to have moments in the presence of God where we hear the truth and then all of a sudden grace comes on us with the power of that truth and starts setting us free. Hey, I know my weakness drove me, and I'll use that 
word, it drove me into the presence of God where His mercy and grace became new. It wasn't just a concept. It wasn't just a quoted scripture. I went into this dark place going, man, I am so weak. Man, I am, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. And all of a sudden, the grace of God and the truth of God working together. You know, Paul said, I went to God and I said, I've got this thing against me constantly. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. You know what the next phrase is? He said to me. You need a moment in the presence of God where He says to you. Have you had that moment? Well, you can. He said to me, my grace is sufficient. Do you know what that word sufficient literally means? That in any given context, it can create contentment for you. Isn't that amazing? So all of a sudden, it's like Paul is looking going, I've got this thorn and it's not going away. And I asked you three times and all you could tell me was, you're going to give me something that makes me content? Listen, contentment isn't, oh well, whatever. Contentment isn't fatalism. Contentment is, I am still strong in spite of. That's contentment. Something is greater than this. And so Paul says this. So in my weakness, his strength is perfected. You know what happened to me? Instead of cursing my weakness, I declared my strength as I experienced the power of his grace. Because grace says, I have and I can. Bill Johnson said this in his book, God is Good. Love this. Truth by nature is the transforming power of God to instill freedom in the life of those who embrace it. Key here, it could be said that freedom exists in a person's life to the, de the degree he embraces truth from the heart. It's more than a mental agreement to a concept called truth. It is the heartfelt yes to a way of life. Listen, let's go back to the mirror. If my life is angling the mirror towards all of that junk, you think that's truth? It's not even a, a belief or an action in truth. I turn that mirror towards the truth and I am free. It's a choice. It's a choice. Remember what I said? Right from the very beginning, God gave Adam and Eve the gift of freedom and He never violated it. And He will not violate with violate it with you. He says, you've got a choice today. Where are you going to look? Where are you going to focus? What are you going to reflect? Because here's the last thing. Not, it's not the last thing we need to do, but this is enough for today. We need to stand. When everything else is done, stand. And the longest scripture on spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, Paul said, when everything else is done, stand. Stand in His power, in His might, and the full armor of God upon you. Take your stand multiple times. And can I say to you, it's better to stand together. Don't isolate yourself in these times. Now, men, sit up, wake up, listen for a minute. I know how you think. I'm a man. The last thing I ever wanted to do was somebody else to help fix me. I'm a man. I fix things, particularly me. Janet used to say to me, nicely as a wife does do you think you might ought to talk to somebody I don't need to talk to anybody people talk to me 
So she'd drop it for a bit, and then she'd come back a bit later and go, maybe you ought to go see a counselor. I don't need to see a counselor. I've got a degree in counseling. I counsel people. It's because as a man, I thought, I'll fix this alone. I had been raised all my life with, hey, you got something wrong? Fix it. You got a muscle that's hurting? Fix it. Get out there and play with broken legs if you have to. Just fix the thing. That sometimes you can't fix it alone. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says two are better than one. Men, I'm telling you right now, sometimes our wives, well, I'm being gracious, most of the times our wives learn this far quicker than we do. Therefore, can I say this respectively as I can? Spiritually, they are stronger in the area of freedom than we are. I know that hurt, guys. It's all right. Poking the nose never killed you. Better to stand together. Don't isolate yourself. You isolate yourself in times like this. What did he say? Pity the man who falls alone. There's no one to pick him up. Dangerous. Now, you remember the Holy Spirit lives in there? Guess what he brings in with him? It's called the sword of the... Spirit, which is the Word of God. Did you know the word there is the word rhema, which means the uttered, the spoken Word of God. You turn that mirror towards the Word of God, and guess what happens? All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts declaring inside of you this truth that's at work in you constantly, that is setting you free. And then you can stand and you can declare, I will stand together in His power with His weapons because I am more than an overcomer. Come on, let's stand our feet right now. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.